Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for today. Thank you for this week. And thank you for our lives. Thank you for this family, for everyone that's here. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for your laughter. You laugh over our enemies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, that we could be anywhere. We could be doing anything. We could be so lost. We could still be lost. We could still be blind. We could still be all these different things. But, Lord, you you found us, Lord. Lord, I I pray that as we continue to speak on dwelling, that this be so relevant, so real, so it would pierce the deep areas of our heart, continue to move. I pray, Lord God, that, that you bring revelation today, that you open eyes and that you open hearts, that, that lives continue to be transformed through the, through the teaching and the preaching of your word. Thank you that we get to do this and do this often. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus' name. Together we say, amen. amen. I want to continue on our topic. If you weren't here last Sunday, forgive me, I did not bring my props um, last Sunday was a fun Sunday from worship to word, and what the Holy Spirit was doing here last Sunday was special. He does something every Sunday. It seems to be sometimes it's similar, sometimes it's different. Sometimes we leave here without words. It's just, and, and last Sunday was one of those Sundays that was just very special. But in the preaching, we were able to grab two, um, two branches, and, and one was a withering branch, and we waved it around. It kind of, one of them flew out of my hands and almost scraped my face, and you guys were there for that. And the other one was a branch that was budding and there was leaves and it was a more fruitful branch. And we kind of went into what that meant. Forgive me for not having my, my props today. It's been a busy weekend and I completely forgot to cut some branches from trim trees off <laughs> this morning. But I want to continue in the conversation that we ha- were having last week, which the message was titled. Does anyone remember what the message was? Amen. Steward the dwelling. If you're taking notes, you could go ahead and write that again. If you weren't here last Sunday, you could go ahead and write that. But I do recommend that if you hear today's message, make sure that at some time this week, you go back to our podcast, go back to our app, and um, download, press play on last week's message, Steward the Dwelling, so you could have an understanding of how we got here. Because this is just a continuation of the conversation that we were having last Sunday. Amen. He, 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 he. The word steward, just in case you forgot, last week we said this. It means this, that you now have the responsibility, you now have the responsibility to take care of it, of something. Um, and here, just with the showing of hands, how many of you can testify that God has or is doing something in your life, currently doing something? Many hands, m- most hands. So just with that alone, we automatically have to come to an understanding that God is done, God is doing something in our lives, and because of that, there's a call now, there's a responsibility now to steward, to steward that which God is doing. Everyone understand that? To take care of that. Like any other kind of relationship. Relationships need to be paid attention to, relationships need to be taken care of. Whether it's friendships, co-workers, um, um, dating, marriage, whatever it is, whatever kind of relationship it might be in. It takes two to steward any kind of relationship. Everyone with me? It is the same thing with what God is doing in our lives and what we're doing with the Lord. We need to steward the dwelling, the dwelling place. There's so much because there was... Um, I don't know how long ago it was. I actually spoke about the secret place on a midweek. And I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not going to get into it today. Maybe next Sunday I'm probably going to jump into that stuff that I spoke here like about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And reteach it. And the Lord always does something new. And, and many of you weren't here for that midweek service. But it deals a lot with steward the dwelling. But today I, I want to make sure that we continue on this. That you have the responsibility now to take care of something. We, we said a couple things. We said, I believe that we can miss what God is doing. Remember this? I believe that we could 
waste what God is doing. And I also believe that we could what? Take for granted what the Lord is doing in our lives. I, I definitely believe that. So now we are responsible. And we, we dove into a passage in scripture which we're familiar with here in this church, which is John chapter 15. Where Jesus is speaking in John 15. And he says that the Father is the gardener, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And you are to abide in me and remain in me. And the ones who abide in me and remain in me will produce much fruit. And the ones who do not abide in me and remain in me, they will be cut off. They will be cut off from the vine and, and they will be thrown into a fire. Basically, we said those are useless branches. But the ones that remain in me will be pruned. And they would be pruned so that they would be much better, that they would produce much fruit. There's, a, there's so much teaching in that. And, and, and again, you need to go ahead and hear that. And we, we spoke about our great gardener who cuts off and he prunes. And pruning hurts, we said. Because sometimes pruning in our lives, what is this symbolic for? It is unwanted parts that the Lord looks at. You might want them, but he might not. You see, you might desire it and you might think it's well, but the Lord knows that it's not well for your soul. He knows that it's not good for you. So what does he do? He takes out these scissors by the pruning of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to cut and strip and break and, my gosh, is it painful? Why did I say that? Because many times in our lives, unwanted parts that the Lord is removing from us are those things in our lives that we are attached to. And the Lord wants to detach us from some of those things in order, in order to attach us deeper into him. And we really got into that. And I want to make sure that you get this and you remember this stuff as we continue to jump into this. And pruning does hurt. And I believe that the, the lifestyle of walking with the Lord, it is he, 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 ha, 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 ha. The people in the podcast have no idea what I'm talking about there because they didn't come to church so they don't get that aspect of worship. But the laughter part and all that, that, that is part of our walk. That is part of our relationship. That is part of, of doing life and, and living as sons and daughters of the Lord. But some of the times that he, 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 and ha, 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 ha becomes, ouch, and ah, 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 and, and groaning. Sometimes it's not he, he, and ha, ha. Sometimes it's why, Lord, or I'm confused, Lord, or show me, Lord. How many of you have experienced that in your life personally? I have. And that's, that, that might be the process of pruning. Now, not always. It could be also your disobedience. So I don't want to give everything. I don't want to justify all that. But we're not here to <clears throat> investigate your life in those areas. But just so that you could understand, because there are a people that blame, like, like that whole teaching of, or the whole mindset of there are people that blame Satan for everything, but they forget to just blame themselves. Right. Many things are not Satan's doing. Many things we look for it, okay? That Satan sits back and says, wow, you make this job really easy for me. You guys understand what I'm saying? So, so it's the same thing as we deal with this with this stuff that we're talking about today. If we don't allow him, we said that it dims our lights and then it will stunt the ability for us to continue to steward the growth that he's bringing forth. And, and I wanted to make sure that we get this. The Greek word, and we jumped into what it means to dwell, to dwell. And what an important word this is, to abide and, and, and to, to remain. The Greek word, is, it signifies the word dwell. And it's special that the Lord wants to dwell. He wants us to dwell with him. But it is very humbling to me to know that not only does he want me to dwell with him, but I'm going to get into this now. He wants to dwell with us. Trust me. He wants to dwell with us more than we want to dwell with him. 100%. I could, I could, I could even prove that to you spiritually, biblically. Well, I mean biblically, theologically, whatever word you want to use. That from the beginning of time, God's main plan and purpose and desire for you, his creation, was to dwell with you. And you dwell with him. It's all over scripture with every character, even with the origin of all creation. I want us real quick, just so that we could um, start off where we ended. Turn to Psalm chapter 91. If you have your Bibles, you should. And, and go to Psalm chapter 91. It will pop up in the screen as well. But I want to go ahead... And I want to start off where we ended. And here is a passage which to me is very fitting and it's powerful. Where the psalmist says this. He says, those who dwell. Everyone say dwell. In the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the shadow 
of the Almighty God. The NLT says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That is one of the most powerful songs. When I used to be in Assemblies of God, we used to go off. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. How many of you sang that song when you were young? None of you. You guys stink. <laughs> I, felt, I felt all alone there. But, but what a powerful song because what a powerful psalm it is. Those who dwell in the secret place. And, and next week, I, I might go even deeper into secret place and how to dwell that dwelling of the secret place. But those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will find rest or will abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. And then it goes on. And let's read this because maybe some, some of you need this encouragement in finding rest and abiding in dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty God. Think about shadow. If you've ever been in a hot day, if you've ever been walking around the desert, if you've ever, if you've ever just been just dying for water and thirst and you can't take the sun touching your skin for one more second, the shadow is what you look for. You look for a tree, you look for a building, you look for anything that you could lay against the other side of which draws a shadow. How many of you have experienced that at some point? That you long for a shadow. The Lord says this right here. That those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide in that shadow of the Almighty God. Because the shadow is a place of rest. The shadow is a place of comfort. A shadow is a place of protection. The shadow is the place where he's a defender. The shadow is a place where probably many of you need to be at spiritually. The shadow is what you're praying for for your family, for your marriage, for your children. The shadow... The shadow, it's, I'm getting better throughout the years, catching things up. I'm getting good at that, practicing. But the shadow is a lot of those things in your life. The shadow is the sickness that you're praying for healing for. The, sh the shadow is, could be so many things. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm running out of ideas. But, but all of you in here could relate to that because at some point you're like, how much longer? When this, will this end? When will this heal? When? And, and the Lord says that, that those who dwell in the secret place shall abide under a shadow of the Almighty God. The shadow is a very important place for sons and daughters of God to be at. You guys get what I'm saying? I love, I, I actually, I actually, and this might be kind of weird and, and, and just, um, I don't know what word you want to use, but weird. But I love when my son and my daughter get scared. I really do. Because for some reason, they just run to me and then they hug me. And then that feeling, it is the best feeling in the world. And, and it's, a, it's a place of, when they hug me, it's a place of, like, protection, shield, uh, defender, guide. And it's the best feeling. It's almost like I want people to, don't do that to them because that was, like, that, that, you're evil. But, but when people scare them, it really does make father feel well. It makes father feel good when they run to him and, and when they hug me and when they find rest and shadow in my presence. It really is a neat feeling. And I can't imagine that if I feel that deep inside my heart, I can't even imagine what God feels. That when I'm aching and I'm breaking and I'm crying and I'm confused and I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm fearful and I, and I can't run to anyone or anything and all I have the ability to do is run to his feet and grab onto his legs like my children do to me. And at that place he just smiles and says, thank you son. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty Father. And I can't even imagine what that means to Abba Father. I can't even imagine what that means to Daddy. I can't even imagine because I just have a glimpse of it here on earth. Imagine in the spiritual realm when, when you can't even cry anymore before your presence, but you hold on to him. Trust me. He's aware. He's listening. He is present. And while you're crying, there is a smile of joy over you. I believe that. So let's read this. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap, protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. 
He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. I actually have this next verse underlined. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, your shadow, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Those who dwell in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. How so? Well, let me read the rest of this passage, he says. And he goes into this whole dialogue, and I, and I love this because the Greek word for remain and abide is dwell and then the hebrew word for dwell is to to inhabit it becomes your habitat it becomes your surroundings it becomes your home you've ever been to some i remember my grandmother's house when she was young she grew out of it but i remember when i used to go over there and the house smelled like mothballs and my goodness those mothballs kill your nose and I remember mothballs, and forgive me if you have mothballs in your house, nothing against you. But my grandma used mothballs, and the mothball smell stayed on you. And, and, and it, was the, it was the smell of her home. It was her habitat. It, she had a distinct, some of you know exactly. I, I go, I go, I, sometimes I go to my in-law's house, right, and there's the smell of food. That's a good smell. He's like, I'm hungry. That's, this is good. Mother-in-law's cooking in the kitchen, and, 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 and there's just it's a, it's a smell of, of, of that place. And, and maybe your house has a distinct smell. Maybe it has a distinct feel. Maybe it has a distinct thing, or a distinct sound. And, and maybe this house has a distinct smell, color, sound. And, and maybe your relationship with the Lord is distinct to you, where it has its own thing that, that is between you and him. And, and the word in Psalm 91, dwell, in the Hebrew means to make that your habitat, to to let that be the place where you're settled. I said last week, it's the place in which you're married into. It's a place where you're united and settled in. And, and what a beautiful truth when the Lord says, he who inhabits, he who settles and marries in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. What a humbling and beautiful reality this is. That he dwells and we dwell in the secret place, and there's a shadow there. And the secret place, we know that place as a hiding place, as a place of covering, as we said. The shadow is a place of defense, protection, and shade, as I just spoke about my own children. And now I come to the realization of John 15, of Psalm chapter 91. And trust me, there's so many other passages that we could go into. And I have to learn now that in my life, I too have a responsibility. And my responsibility is the Lord is doing something in my life. The Lord speaks to me. I hope the Lord speaks to you. The Lord moves over me. And I have to steward that place of dwelling. I can't miss it, take it for granted, or waste it. I want to deepen it. Why? That prophecy shared months ago, let the whisper of my voice be a thunder to your soul. I want to deepen that prophecy in my life. I had no idea when I said it in worship and I spoke it into Maori's life, but, but I'm getting what it's starting to mean even to me. That I want those whispers of the Lord to continue to be a thunder in my soul. And, and I, don't, I don't want to waste that or miss that. And I don't want to lose that opportunity. I actually want to continue to dive into that. I actually want to dwell in that. I want to hug on to that. I want that to be my habitat. I want that to be my smell. I want that to be my sound. I want that to be like when you're there, like, ah, oh, this is home. For years now, we've been saying that what? Home is where his presence is. Home is his presence in us. We've been saying that for years. That's nothing new. 
But now, when we grab this place of dwelling, we need to steward it. God is speaking to us. God is giving some people dreams. God is giving people prophecies. God is giving um, interesting stuff, how he's moving among us, among some of us, as we're opening ourselves to the Lord and seeing the Lord move in our lives. All those things are great, but my goodness, what a shame if they go to waste and they don't deepen in the months to come, in the days to come. Are you with me? steward the dwelling find the responsibility to say i want to live here i want to make this home i want to better enjoy this dwelling in the secret place where i'm constantly under his shadow under his protection under his defense and where he's showing me things you know what makes a lot of sense to me um, matthew chapter 7 after we read um psalm 91 after we just read that matthew 7 makes a lot of sense to me i'm going to read matthew 7 real quick just because it's a passage that many of us may be familiar with Many of you are familiar with it. As soon as I said Matthew 7, you probably already maybe knew where I was going. But in verse 24, I want you to see this for a moment. Matthew 7, 24, are you there? <clears throat> Let's go into this. It says, I'll read from the NLT, so forgive me if this translation is a little bit different from the way you're used to memorizing it. But it says this, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. You want to be wise? Well, wisdom is not found in necessarily in the studies of the world, uh, Jesus gives you his word right here. You want to be wise? Listen to my teaching and follow it. It will lead you to wisdom. Do you know why? Because when you listen and follow his teachings, then you begin to what? The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, all understanding. That grows in you. Here it goes. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes, its torrents and floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on rock, on the bedrock, on the rock. Everyone say the rock. Verse 26. But anyone who hears my teaching, here's the unwise, and does not obey it, is foolish. It's a fool. It's a foolish person. They're a fool. It's like a person who builds a house on a sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat against that house. Look what it says. It will collapse with a mighty crash. Everyone, everyone you probably heard that before at some point in your life. It's a known passage that, that, that Jesus is teaching here. But, but this is so important. The reason why is, is because I, I was able to see my son weeks ago build a sandcastle at the beach. And I was able to see him get frustrated. And it doesn't take much to get Jackson frustrated, but he... He's building a sandcastle, but what he doesn't realize is he's building it on sand. <laughs> and he's building it, but it's on sand. So he's building it close to the water, and the water's coming up, and it's starting to mess up. And he's like, oh, shh, and he does this, like, little movement. <clears throat> Excuse me. Forgive me for that. that he does, and I'm just sitting on my chair laughing, trying to find a shadow because I'm burning. And um, <clears throat> he, he tries, and I'm helping him. I, I, I get some stuff, and I <clears throat> come, and I... Put it, and I start helping him because I'm seeing he's frustrated. <clears throat> and it starts to take somewhat of a form. <clears throat> but I see that he's frustrated with it. And it's a reminder that, that the frustrated lifestyle of an individual who's building on a substance that is of no worth. That is of no proper structure. That is of no depth. When in reality, that sand will not hold the weight of that which is being built upon it. <clears throat> it's like the person... That gets um, super gun ho in the things of God, or in the things of God, meaning the, the exterior things, but they forget to build up in them the greater things of God. So, what happens is, in doing the things of God, the things of God, they begin to have a bad taste and they misinterpret or misunderstand the real things of God because it's a person who jumped in and started to build on sand. When in reality is no. Go to the place of where the foundation is rock, where it's firm, where there there's stability. Go to the right source. Go to the right place. And, and I remember seeing my son there, and I remember this passage. And what a reminder, and it makes sense, it does, because in Matthew 7, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teachings follows my words. It's almost as if he's saying something very similar to what he's saying in Psalm 91. Come to the secret place that you and I have. I have a secret place, trust me, that it's not Sundays where I receive the word of God. If your place of receiving the word of God is just Sunday, you're going to begin to idolize me. 
And trust me, I'm not going to be that person that you need in your life. And I could do the same thing to anyone else. What you need to do, what I need to do, what we need to do is, how is the word of God rocking your life outside of this gathering? This is a bonus. But the meat is what's happening outside of this place. That was a weird dance I did there. Thank God no one's videotaping or, or something like that. Okay, but. So you should have a secret place. Say that. I should have a secret place. Do not raise your hand. Do not answer this. Do you have a secret place? Do you have a secret place? Do, I love your five-minute devotion in the morning. I love your five-minute devotion when you go to sleep. That's good. Keep doing it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Do you have a place where there is a prayer without ceasing? Do you have a place where there is a constant worship of lifestyle? One pastor <coughs> wrote, worship is not when you raise your hand. Uh, worship is something like when, even to the point of even when you serve others, when you lend a hand. And st- worship is deeper than just the things that we might make it seem to be. But in Matthew 7, he's inviting people. You want to be wise. Here, you come to the secret place, and there you receive teaching. The Bible says that what? How how do you grow this faith? By hearing and by hearing the word of God. So the secret place is where we hear from God. I'm hoping you have a secret place. I'm telling you now that this church is not your secret place. I'm telling you right now that having a meeting with a leader, with a mentor, or with a pastor is not a secret place. (laughs) I'm telling you to develop ourselves, steward the place of dwelling with Jesus, that yeah, we need people in our lives at times to pour into us and pray for us and seek counsel. But man, I know Jesus and I hear Jesus and I speak to Jesus daily. And sometimes I just want to confirm if I'm really hearing it right. (coughs) Those are good things. Thank you, Father. So, very important. There are two houses built, one on sand, one on rock. The mighty, the mighty rain falls, the floodwaters rise, strong winds beat on each house. The one built, listen to this, the one built dwelling on the rock. Say dwelling on the rock. I'm not going to get into the whole um, the rock of defense, but, but whatever. Dwelling on the rock does not collapse. Then the one that is built dwelling on the sand collapses, I love this, with a mighty crash. So we are responsible in what the Lord is doing, especially in us. He's producing something beautiful. How many of you could say amen? He's producing something beautiful. He's producing something beautiful. I want you to believe that for yourself. He's producing something beautiful. Let me tell you why. Because your thoughts lie to you. Sometimes people closest to you lie to you. Sometimes your very family lies to you. Friends lie to you. Sometimes the media lies to you. TV lies to you. Your job lies to you. I want you to know that if you're in Christ, he's producing something beautiful. Beautiful. If not, it's against his word. He, you, are his, you are his workmanship. The, real, the way you should pronounce, the way you should translate that is you are his poem that he is writing with his own hand. There is no way that his penmanship would ever write anything disastrous and ugly and filthy. If he's writing you as his workmanship and his poem, he is creating something beautiful. Can you say that and believe that for yourself? I'm going fast today. I have a lot of stuff too. He's producing something beautiful. Say that to yourself. I want you to really believe that for yourself. Say it one more time. Say, how do I know that? Because you're still here. We're still here. So he seems fit not to take us yet. So he's producing something beautiful. Amen. Must be careful not to waste it, miss it, take it for granted. This is what this great gardener is and has brought growth to. Come on. It is a beautiful. Everyone say beautiful. Beautiful. Watch this. It goes together with this word, and painful. It is a beautiful and painful process. Being a child of God is beautiful, and I would not have no other way. I would not run to any other lover. There are many lovers love, but there's only one lover's love. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that being a child of God, I would not run from that. It is, the, it is beautiful, but I will also confess to you, it has been painful many times. It is beautiful and painful, the process to say, yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. To, to accept the invitation to be the dwellers, the dwellers of the vine. 
Man, I feel that coming into something, dwellers of the vine. Doesn't that sound powerful? Come on, look at someone and say, you're a dweller of the vine. You're a dweller of the vine. And the process of growing as dwellers of the vine, the process of saying yes to it, the process of stewarding the dwelling in the vine is beautiful, say it. And it's painful. He takes us, though, in this beautiful and painful process. Amen? He takes us to a secret place, though. I could point to a lot of you because I know some of your personal stories. And I could say, has he not taken you to a secret place in the beautiful and painful areas of your life? Trust me, I could point into a lot of your lives. Some of you could come over here and preach this better than me. It was an honor to see Mercy go up in Capernaum and prophesy into the air where she prophesied. I said, that is beautiful and that is painful. But my God, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I went to Pastor Leo and I said, if anything was spoken, that is the most powerful thing that was spoken on this trip. When she stood up there, she said, my son is a giant. He's alive and, 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 and that's her thing. She could share that, but. You go up to her and tell her, but it, it was, it, it meant, it rocked something inside of me of, I need to see things like that. It's beautiful and it's painful. The yes, Lord. And even in stewarding this dwelling, even in, in the Lord taking us to this place, the secret place that he takes us to, it's worth it. Because though it's beautiful and it's painful, at the secret place, he covers us with shade, with protection. He demonstrates that he is our great defense. Build your house on the great defense. And that's the whole part where I won't get into the rock of defense. But built it on the defense, on your shade, on your comfort. Amen. Here it is, guys. What are you dwelling in? Who are you dwelling with? What is is dwelling in you. Man, we really need to examine that. How many of you, please, again, rhetorical, don't raise your, don't raise your hand. But how many of you like, I just need blank of God, whatever. You, 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 maybe, you, um, maybe you have a bad thing about measuring yourself with other people. Don't do that anymore, please. But maybe you compare yourself. Please don't do that anymore. But you have the bad habit of doing that stuff. And, and you feel like if you're falling behind, you feel like you're not at a place where you should be. At the end of the day, just pause, stop, take a quick, deep inventory and see what's dwelling in you. And see what you're dwelling in. I'm telling you, what are you dwelling? Because it can be, listen to this, it could be a testimony of one who does not collapse. That's why I loved the testimony in Capernaum. Because what I heard on that day was a family and a woman who was speaking for her family that says, we have not collapsed. That's power. That, that, speaks, that speaks, man, that speaks a lot. And then there's a story of demise, right, of one's life that comes crashing down. Do you know how many people have started this walk but is no, are no longer walking this walk? You know how many people have started this race and are no longer, they don't even have their racing shoes on anymore. Many. That's why there's two roads. But whatever, let's get into this. I need to steward the dwelling. Amen? So what's special about dwelling? Here it is. I'll repeat it. It is that the Lord desires to dwell with you. I want you to write that down because I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. The Lord desires to dwell with you more than we'll ever desire to dwell with him. And that should move us. It's always been his heart. It's always been his purpose for us. For his created beings. Do you know that he created all things? But when he created us, he recognized, I just created the most important thing to me. And it was mankind. When he created human beings, it was, I'm not lying, go to, go to the account in Genesis. What does he tell Adam? What does he tell Eve? What does he say? Now you are called to have dominion over all created things. Are you with me? So you are the head of all created things, as I is that I am the head of you. So you are to steward the land that I've given you in the manners in which I steward. Like, do it the same way. We've messed up. We screwed up along the way as mankind because of our greed and sinful and prideful ways. I get it. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace that continues in you every day. But this is beautiful because he longs and he desires to dwell with us. 
It's always been his heart. It's always been his purpose for us, for his created beings. We see this truth all over scripture. For example, I just said the garden. We see it in the garden between him and Adam, him and Eve, Adam and Eve. We see that. We see it all over. I, I can't tell you every single person, but we see it with Abraham. We see it with Jacob. I mean, we see distinct verses specifically with Abraham, Jacob, Moses, pretty much everyone named in the Old Testament and the New Testament that he's working in. In almost every single story, I'm not lying to you, I can point to you God's ultimate desire to dwell with that certain individual. If we go to any passage in scripture of a certain individual, I could find context around that passage of the Lord desiring to dwell with that person or those people. I, 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 could, I could show you in almost every single passage. The children, uh, the Israelites left Egypt, and what did he do? All right, I'm going to build my home right smack in the middle of them. He, he made it obvious. I want to dwell with you. So he dwells in the center of their camp in the wilderness. You guys are with me? That is his heart for humanity. In every story, the whole reason, listen, let's go to the New Testament now. The whole reason for the cross and the whole reason uh, for the resurrection is for this one main purpose. And it is to bridge the gap to unite sinful man back to holy God. What is that called? Make us dwellers again. Bring us back to the gardener, to the great gardener, and make us dwellers in the vine again. To bring us back to the place where we dwell with him. And more importantly, this is his heart, where he dwells with us. Amen. All right, here we go. And then um, I'm going to go over four passages and we're going to wrap this up. Ready? In John chapter 10. Turn there, John 10. It's good stuff here. This is stuff that Lord showed me actually yesterday, like at 8 o'clock at night and I had to write some stuff down. John chapter 10. When you're there, give me a shout out there. Hallelujah. John 10. Look at verse 25 with me. He says, Jesus says, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work that I do in my father's name in the gardener. The vine is speaking in the behalf of the gardener. The vine works with the gardener, hand, to hand, hand in hand with the gardener. Verse 26, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Look at this, so important, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Isn't that beautiful? For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them, emphasis, 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 repetition, emphasis. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. What is he saying? No one can snatch the branch from the gardener's hand. The father and I are one. The father holds you, I hold you, I hold you, the father holds you. You hold him, I hold you, him, he holds you, they hold, uh, I mean, what? We're all holding this thing together. What, is, what does that mean? We're all dwellers. What? I dwell in you, you dwell in me, you dwell in him, I dwell in him, he dwells in you, I dwell in you, and you dwell in me. And it's this whole triune God. We're all dwelling amongst each other. I love this passage. John, to bring back to the place where we dwell with him and he dwells with me. So that this passage, John 10, 25 through 29, would be fulfilled in our lives. Especially the part when Jesus says, no one can snatch them from my father's hand. You see... The only way John 10, 25 through 29 is alive and real in your life, I promise you this, is if you are stewarding the dwelling. If you are a dweller of the vine, as the vine is the gardener's and the gardener's is the vineyard, I'm telling you today, if you are part of that dwelling process, then you can relate to this and you could say, this has been fulfilled in my life. Trust me when I say it's been fulfilled in my life. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how... how, how how many years of experience you have. I don't care what you wrap your, my mind with, but I can tell you right now that nothing and no one can snatch me from my father's hand. Listen, I am his sheep. I know his voice. And when he speaks, I know his voice. This passage is real to me because I steward the dwelling. If you dwell in him, 
then you could also stand with me and say what? No one can snatch me from Abba's hand. But that is not true to many people's lives. But, but to us, it is fulfilled in our lives that no one snatches us. That is where the whole theology comes in about your salvation and all that stuff and whether you could lose it or not lose it. And you could debate on that stuff forever. But I don't understand why in the world the Lord will cut me off. The Bible does not say he's going to cut me off. The scripture says he'll prune me. Pruning's good. But to cut me off, no. As I'm dwelling with him, I'll never lose the dwelling. I can't be cut off. Nothing can snatch me from his hand. And in that truth, in that secret place, in that shadow and in that shelter, I got to go deeper and steward the dwelling. Man, that's good. In the book, I want to go into the book of Haggai. And this is kind of where I'm going to sit at and I'm going to close on Psalm 84. So when I get to Psalm 84, Haggai 2, the worship team could come up here. This might be a good place to wrap this thought today as we go deeper next week. But in the book of Haggai, you know what, let's turn to Haggai. It's in the Old Testament. It's only two chapters, so it might be hard for you to find. But that's when you use the front of your Bible for the page number. In Haggai, it's, it, Pastor Leo, I had the privilege of, of hearing him quote and speak a little bit about this passage. And I wrote down some notes that God started to speak to me as I, was, as I continued to read it. But in the book of Haggai, we see a time when the Jewish temple was to be rebuilt. This is the ending, so if you could pay attention to anything, this is going to be very important. You see, Solomon's temple was built already. But what happened with Solomon's temple is, I'll give you a perfect example. The Babylonians came in to Jerusalem. When the Babylonians came in, they took many captives by the order of a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had the temple destroyed. He gave an order to destroy the temple. But sometime later, as the Lord was establishing Jerusalem again and calling Jerusalem Jews back home, there was something missing that was destroyed, and that was the temple of God. I don't want to focus about a building. I want to focus about the symbolism behind the Old Testament building temple. Let me get into this for a moment. The Old Testament building of the temple, why is it significant to us New Testament believers? Because the temple represents the place where his presence would reside in. Everyone understand that? And many other things as well, but that's the main focus, that I, that's the main place I want to stay at. If they have the temple, they'll have the presence of God. If they have the mercy seat, they have the Ark of the Covenant, then the Lord might reside again. And until today, there's still a lot of commotion about this third temple to be built. But, but real quick, Nebuchadnezzar destroys this temple, and the Lord rises up a prophet called the Haggai, Haggai, doesn't matter how you want to pronounce it. And God calls him to speak to a governor of this region in Judah by the name of Zerubbabel. Let's go to, real quick, let's just go to Haggai chapter uh, 1. Let's read the first 11 verses. Just so you could get an understanding of the history here. Verse 1 says, on August 29th, because I'm reading from the NLT, so they give us the, the exact date. Of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, the son of, all right, the high priest. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to build the house of the Lord. I love that, right? The people are saying it's not time to build. It's not time to establish. It's not time to do that. But look at verse 3. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. What, why are you living in luxurious, oh, so good. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is, let that speak to you, whatever it might. And trust me, it has nothing to do with this physical house. That might mean something more like, why are so many things outside of the more important things being built upon than the most important thing that's inside of you should be built upon? Trust me, it has, no, it has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with your temple. All right. <clears throat> While my house lies in ruins, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. Man, can that, can, I wonder if anyone relates to that. You drink, but you are still thirsty. Wrong, wrong source of water. We've, we went over that two weeks ago. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what is happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, rebuild my house, and I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. What does he want to do? He wants to reign. What does he want to do? He wants to dwell. 
You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor when you were brought your harvest home. I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins. Why aren't things functioning? Why aren't things working? Why isn't it going the way you want it to go? Sometimes the Lord says, because I blew some of those things away because I need to get your attention on what's the most important thing. So what's happening? I'm not causing anything else to work around you. Are you guys getting the relativity of this today in our lives? It's because, verse 10, of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I get it. I'm not trying to manipulate this scripture. I get why this scripture was written and the time that it was written for. But I am not saying it's still relative and it could still mean a lot to us today in 2018. I have called for a drought on your fields. And your hills, a drought to wither and grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you, your livestock, and to ruin everything that you have worked so hard to get. I've had many conversations with people where they feel like they're in a drought. And they can relate to this time period in Israel. Why? Because you have neglected my dwelling place. Seriously, self-examination and evaluation, steward the dwelling How's the dwelling place? How's the dwelling place? You need to answer that right now to yourself. How is the dwelling place? Are you wasting it? Are you missing out? Are you taking it for granted? How is that? Because he says here, he says, I've called the drought in your fields, a drought to wither everything, the drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything that you've worked so hard for. All because you've denied the dwelling place. Amen. We understand that. That was their cause. They messed up. But even though they messed up, what is God's heart? His heart is to what? I want to dwell with you. When are you going to get it through your head? I want you to steward the dwelling. Does everyone understand that? I want you all now to go to chapter 2. Don't have time to go into all of Haggai. I would love to preach the whole book. But go to chapter 2 for a moment. I want you to see the end result of this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I get ready to, to um, as I read this, as I get ready to close. But I want you to put your eyes on verse 6. Haggai 2, verse 6. Are you with me? Here is, here, is, here is God's grand purpose for our lives and for them during this time. It says this. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, remember how harsh he was right now in chapter 1? Look what a blessing he is in chapter 2. He says this. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth. I love when he shakes heaven and earth. The oceans, I love that we move heaven. I love that your act of obedience, your faith moves heaven. You move God. Moses moved God. Abraham moved God. People moved God. Joshua made the sun stand still. He moved God. You have the ability to move God and move heaven, shake heaven. For some of you guys, that's heresy. No, it's not. It's in scripture. In just a little while, we're going to shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and all the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. And I will fill this place with glory. My goodness. Amen. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. What is he saying? The future is better than the past. Better days ahead. Greater days ahead. Best is still yet to come. It's coming. It's better than what you've received. Stop talking about the good old days. The good old days are, are going to get better. The days are going to get better. Stop talking about the good old days. Stop talking about that. We, we said stop talking about the revivals of yesterday. The revivals of tomorrow will be so much better. The glory of tomorrow will be so much better, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The last part of the verse. And in this place, everyone say this place. This temple, I will bring peace. And I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Do you know when he speaks? It becomes fruitful. Isaiah tells us that. When, when, when the Lord speaks a word, it does not return void, Isaiah says. Whatever the Lord speaks must be. The Lord spoke this to the Israelites, it became. How do I know it became? Zerubbabel helped construct Solomon's temple. Zerubbabel's temple is not the second temple. King Herod later on comes on as their sin continues and he builds them another temple again. And then I believe that we're waiting for the third temple. But I felt like the Lord told me this weekend in worship, in my own worship, that why do people wait for a third temple when the third temple is already here? Where is it? You're looking at them. You are, if you are steward of, if you are steward in the dweller, dwelling, I think I said it right, then you are the third temple. 
the Jews are looking for their third temple to be built, but they missed it. The third temple is built. You know that we went to Jerusalem and they're all praying on the western wall for their third temple? And we showed up and the third temple prayed on that wall? <laughs> it's all good. They missed us. We were there. Your third temple, we were there. We were there. The Bible says that now you, you, I'm not lying about this stuff. Now you are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells in. If we're, if, uh, that's biblical proof. You're the third temple. You are the third temple. So when they build the third temple, he says, I will not fall into that place. My presence will not because my presence is already in their temple and I'm not going to fill your temple. <laughs> because then they're going to make that the worship place rather than this being the worship place. So let them build their third temple, but this third temple is going to be alive. Hallelujah. Stand with me, huh? Just like that, just like that. Psalm 84. Lord, I pray that this would just fall on us today. It says this, verse 1. I think it's so freaky how God does things, you know. To be honest, we should have been named the Nest Church in January. But it happened in July 22nd. And then out of nowhere, everything's lined up to preach this word and, and God gives me this verse. It means something to me. It says here, how lovely is your dwelling place. Love that the psalmist says that, right? How lovely is the dwelling. How many of you could say, how lovely is the dwelling place? When I say, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, I, I trust me, how lovely is this place when we gather? Don't take that in a wrong way. I believe that. But I'll tell you how lovely is my dwelling place. When I could get up in the morning and weep before him. Hallelujah. How lovely is my dwelling place with you. O Lord of heaven's armies. Look at verse 2. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, my body, and my soul. You know, that, that, that reminds me of, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. With what? With all of your heart? With all of your mind? With all of your soul? With all your strength? With all of your being? And it's almost let the dwelling, the steward of the dwelling be with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, you can't be in the dwelling and take your mind out of it. It's not going to function. You can't be in the dwelling and take your strength out of it. It's not going to function. You come with all of your strength. So is your strength, if your strength is weakness, and you say, I have no strength, that's fine. Come into the dwelling in strength and weakness and mind and soul and strength. My whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Guys, listen to this for a second. Even the sparrow finds a home. Where's home? Where's home? Where's home? <laughs> You're like highly uh, west, uh, southwest. Where's home? Home is where his presence is. I live, I dwell, I'm an inhabitant of the presence of God. He inhabits over my life. What are you doing tomorrow? The presence of the Lord knows. What are you doing tonight? The presence of the Lord knows. Why? Because I am the temple. It lives in me. Wherever that, I mean, where are we going? Man has, man has plans. Scripture says, and he laughs at man's plans. For he directs the steps of his children. I have plans to do this tomorrow. And the, 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 the presence in the temple says, not tomorrow. You're going to do this now. You're going to do, do this tomorrow. How many of you have had plans for tomorrow and God has warped your plans? And then you sit back and say, whoa, I never saw that coming. To God be the glory. I'm going to tell you why that happened when you said to God be the glory. Because you are the temple of his presence. So you had other plans when you least expected it. So good. Where's home? Home is where his presence is. Steward the dwelling of that presence. 
Even the sparrow finds a home. I just feel like Nest Church means something totally different right now. Because even birds know their home. There could be many nests. But every bird knows its distinctive home. You know, they fly to bring their children food. And they know exactly which nest their child is in. You know why? Because they built it with their own mouth. They picked up every twig. It has a distinct smell because they put it there. It's so special, you know. So you could be around someone or a family and you feel awkward. And your spirit maybe cringes. Because then you say, that doesn't feel like home. Because you could already relate to the presence of God because it lives in you. Have you ever been there? I've walked out on people. Because they were saying it was the presence of God and they were manipulating the presence of God. And it was not the presence, it was the presence of man. And I've walked out on people. And then I've been around other people, other family, that I'm like, I feel like I'm at home with this person. I feel like I've known them forever. And I'll tell you why, because they're dwellers. They're, the they're, they're a third temple like I am. And we're like, oh, we just do good together. I'm going to go have ice cream. My wife's coming with us, but. Home, right? Home is where his presence is. Home is where his presence is. The sparrows know their home. Look at verse 3. And the shallow, the, the swallow builds her nest and raises her young. They build their nest. I'm guessing that if you're going to build your nest, there is no greater place to build your nest than in one place. She builds her nest and she raises her young at a place near the altar. <laughs> what a great place to build a nest. Because the altar is where the presence of God is. And if you're going to build a nest, you might as well build the nest in his presence. We are Nest Church. Welcome to the nest, your nest, our nest, and their nest. Their future nest. But may this nest may be built on the throne altar of God all the days of our lives. And may we be that nest. May we be that nest. And then all the birds will come. You know why birds come here? Uh, guys, I'm, I'm not calling you a bird in no offensive way. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't mean that in any offensive way. But you know why people come? The people that feel that this is home? I'm thinking it's because they feel a presence and they say I want to get settled I want to make this an habitat I want to understand what this or I wanted to do life with something similar I was looking for something like this and this scripture says that she knows she knows where to build it she knows where it's at and it's by the place where the presence of God is oh Lord of heaven's armies my king my God what joy for those I'm not lying. Who can live in your house. This is equivalent to saying what joy it is for those who can live in your presence. Who can marry and settle into your presence. What joy for those. And look what it says. Always singing your praises. The joy of Close your eyes with me as we close. Thank you, Lord. Such a good God. You speak so on time to your children, to your swallow and sparrow birds who build our nest on July 22nd as we continue at the place of where your presence is. May we never detour May we never make anything greater than that. May that be the greatest thing at our nest. May that be the greatest thing in our temple. May the presence of God dwell in me. And may I steward the dwelling in you. I am the branch and you are the vine and he is the gardener. 
and you and him are one and he and you are one and me and you are one and me and him are one and we are all one because we are all dwelling I love when people says who do you think you are God I'm like not really but he's me and him are one that's heresy no I'm not me and Jesus are one him and the father are one and they're one and so we're one and we're all one so um, that's so good not God but I'm but I'm married I'm settled his presence is my home it's, it's home so I have the ability to sp- man this is humbling we have the ability to speak on the behalf of God because we are the modern day prophets of God with the book of prophecy in our hands called the Holy Bible you want someone to anoint you as a prophet the spirit of the Lord already lives inside of you and he's anointed you as a prophet of this land hallelujah my goodness 